visit to a military facility. Fine, may I start by saying how thrilled we are to have you here. We are such fans of your music and all of your records. I'm not speaking of yours personally, but the whole genre of the rock and roll and so many of the exciting things that are happening in music today. And let me explain a bit about what's going on. This is our monthly At Ease weekend. It gives us a chance to kind of let down our hair, although I see you all have a head start on it. These haircuts wouldn't pass military muster, believe me. Although I shouldn't talk, I, my hair's getting a little shaggy too. Better not get too close to you, they'll think I'm part of the band. I'm joking, of course. Shall we go in and I'll show you around? Walk this way, please, uh, right through here. Did you ever run into a musical group, works out of Kansas City, calls themselves Four Jacks and a Jill? They've been at a Ramadi in there for about 18 months. If you're ever in Kansas City and you want to hear some good music, you might want to uh, drop by. Uh, I would like to get the playing on about 1,900 hours, if that's satisfactory. I make it now, it's about 1,830 hours. So that's what, 50 hours? Well, actually, 20 hours. It's actually about 30 minutes, about a half hour, give or take, just a few minutes. I don't want to rush you. The idea is if we can get it on and we uh, get it over with. And I have just one request, would you play a couple of slow numbers so I can dance?
Hi, everybody. It's Dave Juskow. And hello. Yes, that was me singing. I took a shot and I figure, well, you know, if I'm making fun of the other kids, I'll just put it out there myself, too. And I felt like singing. I mean, what are you going to do, right? What are you going to do? I felt like singing. I felt like singing a Billy Joel song. And I found one that, uh, you know, I felt uh, pretty good at. And I put it out there. I put it out there. You can mock me all you want, but I was having a good time singing it, too. What do you think of that? So screw everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. It is May 19th edition, the week before Memorial Day, where we usually take our break, but uh, why bother this year? I guess I won't be taking a break, but I will tell you that I was very uptight about uh, doing a podcast this week. Not uptight. I just uh, just wasn't in the mood. I don't know why. I can't tell you. I tried to do it Saturday. I tried to do it Sunday. I, it's Monday already on the 18th and uh, when I'm taping, and I don't know what the hell happened. Uh, I, I just, I cannot tell you. I don't, I don't know. What, there's nothing wrong with me. Everything is okay, as a matter of fact. And so, you know, what I'm saying is I'm like, well, maybe I could take a week off. It's not a big deal. I usually take off one this uh, time of the year. But I'm like, no, 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 no. Now's the most important time to keep it going, right? So, you know, we got to keep doing it. But um, let me fix my chair. Sinking after my triumphant, my, it's sinking after my triumphant singing is what I meant. Uh, whatever. Uh, yeah, I was I was going to Dunkin' Donuts earlier today, and I was walking around and I was just singing. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to sing on the podcast today. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> I don't even want to tell you what I was going to sing. <laughs> it was just. <laughs> I'm not going to. Well, all right, I'll tell you what the hell. I, I I can't I don't I don't I I got nothing. This is an old Jack Wagner from General Hospital song from the eighties. This is what was going through my mind today. I got a problem. And now I'm not so sure just where I stand. I wasn't looking for true love, but now you're looking at me. This is the worst song You're ever. the only one I can think of. You're the only one I see. I don't even know the words. All I need oh is just God. a little more time. I, I can't even. I can't even. I can't even. The only person who would enjoy that is my sister. If she's listening today, I'll have to make sure she listens because that is the only person possibly on the planet, who would be like, oh, my God, he's playing all I need. Oh. Why that song goes through my head on a daily basis, I cannot tell you, except that I am either a homosexual. <laughs> I mean, really, I just don't. Ugh. I I got nothing. Something about that song just goes through my head. I, I guess the way I, I, I got... You know what? Can I just tell you? I'm glad Adam Schlesinger isn't alive to see this. But the funny thing, if he was here, he'd be like, oh, you know what? That's a pretty good song. I know the guy that wrote that. And then I'd be like, good. All right, then. But it's, it's, it's not good. It's just something that's in my head I can't get rid of. <sighs> Whatever. Anyway, can we please move on? Can, can Are you finished? Have you had enough to eat? Are we done? Because I can't even... 
I can't even. We have so much to get to today. Please, people. Anyway, let me explain a couple of things before we move on. Now, how am I feeling today, you may ask? Well, excellent question. You're not going to believe. I don't even know whether to. You can't play the Jack Wagner all I need to and then tell you what I'm about to tell you because I think I'm going to lose listeners today. When I. I don't even know what it began. When I tell you that I am not a bright man. There's wonderful people that are like, you know, don't sell yourself short. You're very smart. You, you know, you couldn't do comedy if you weren't smart. Well, and I say this to my, my new friend, Martha, who I've been communicating with, uh, uh, on, on my, uh, Dave just got fans at Gmail account. And I say, listen, listen, I am a genuine idiot. <clears throat> and, um, Joe Messina called me up because he listened to the like two podcasts ago where I had said, and you know, I'm kind of mad at the rest of you, and maybe other people said it, but I just didn't listen until Joe called me up. He goes, you know what? I didn't want to say anything, but it's possible that you really are stupid and that your mother is stupid and the whole Juskow family is really stupid because the reason you're suffering from the dizziness and headaches is because you keep putting bleach on your mask i keep cleaning my mask with fantastic with bleach for some reason when he said it even though probably other people said it i think sarah told me i think my sister i think everybody told me but i'm like nah nah nah, listen you got to clean it somehow i've been using the same mask since march 11th and rubbing it with bleach every day now i thought after i rubbed it with bleach set it out for 12 to 24 hours everything would be fine but clearly the only reason i figured it out is i guess after monday when i got a massive headache from taking the longest walk i've taken in two months and doing some grocery shopping carrying heavy bags so i was out for like two or three hours i had a massive headache And it wasn't until Tuesday or Wednesday when Joe called up and said, you're a moron, it's the bleach that's affecting you, that it all made sense. And he was completely right. I threw out the mask on Wednesday. I haven't been dizzy or had a headache since. I've been using a different, I finally got a new mask. I just bought 50 new masks on Amazon. They go, hey, douchebag, take your money you got from the government and buy some masks. I bought 50 masks from Amazon. And I haven't had a problem since. Do you understand? I've been poisoning myself. I have Munchausen disease. I was trying to get the uh, the attention of everybody. Oh, please feel sorry for me. It's just like in the sixth sense, except as Dory told me, that's called Munchausen by proxy. <laughs> but clearly, I, I wanted the fame of, uh, wow, you know, Dave Jessica's really sick and he's dying. But uh, I got so excited, I my nose started running. I Yes, I've been poisoned. Oh, my God, there's a huge thing coming down from the construction site. It's falling onto the street. Well, that's not good, right? Um, yeah, they started again. Anyway, I've been poisoning myself. I'm a moron. Who doesn't know that inhaling bleach is not good? I guess I just thought it would drop. Listen, folks, I don't know what to say. That's why I was able to sing today. I feel great. I don't know what the problem was with not bringing you to the podcast. I'm just a little lazy and and tired, but who isn't? You know, we've all been hanging around. I've been eating too much. I mean, yesterday was horrible. 
It was a beautiful day outside. I made chicken fried rice. And I had so much left over. You know, I didn't want to leave any left over. So I ate so much of it around 4 o'clock. And my friend's like, hey, you want to go for a walk? I'm like, I'm too full. And that was the end of my night. I was too full. I couldn't leave. Couldn't get up. I had walked earlier. But, I mean, oh, my God. Rice, all that rice, all those carbs, forget about it. It was over. I got to take a break from eating. It's horrible. Now I eat, like, two pieces of raisin bread with cream cheese on it every morning. And I, at least I used to skip breakfast, you know before now i just eat breakfast because why not it's a little joyful thing i put together for myself since i don't go to get a cup of coffee anymore even though today was the first time i did in like a month or two uh i even make it myself and i make two pieces of cinnamon bread it's great cinnamon raisin bread it's delicious but yeah i'm a, I'm a genuine idiot and there's just no way about it i wasn't even going to tell you guys also so on tuesday i went to the city md to get the antibody test and they say, oh, we're also going to give you the virus test, you know, the nostril test. And I'm like, brilliant. Why aren't they all doing that? Why isn't everybody getting both those tests? I, I don't know why it's not like that, that they thought about it. I'm like, yeah, good idea. I took both tests. I've gotten the results back. Negative on both. I never had the, I had an old-fashioned virus in March. Clearly not the coronavirus. An old-fashioned virus Maybe one from the 70s, you know, something that uh, that's in your system for a while and then it leaves unless you're poisoning yourself with a bleach-soaked mask. Then it stays for another month or two. God, I'm stupid. Anyway, negative on both. And let me tell you about the nostril exam. At least here in New York City or New York State, uh, the way they take the antibody test, it's very accurate. They draw blood instead of the prick. <laughs> yeah, I said prick. Uh, they draw blood. It's a little more accurate that way. And for the nostril test, they let me put it up there myself because I was kind of afraid, you know, that it goes all the way up there. and They got to spin it around a little bit, get some mucus on. Meanwhile, they, right now, right, um, um, my nose is running. I'm stuffy. I'm a little stuff, you know, whatever. Uh, that day was probably the only day. This is like Sarah Silverman's diarrhea joke. It's like the only day I was breathing completely clear through my nostrils. I had no mucus up there. It was really the, the one day in like 50 years. I didn't have any immediate mucus hanging around. I had to go really far up and go get some. It was disgusting, I know. But at least they let me do it myself because a lot of people are nervous to take that test. Can you blame them? If somebody's putting something up your nose and, you know, clearly they're not doctors. They're just people like me who want to volunteer. <laughs> so... Uh, so that made it a lot less scary, but yes, yeah, just an old-fashioned virus, everybody. Just an old-fashioned love song playing on the radio And wrapped around the music is the sound of someone promising they'll never go You know, for such a funny guy, that Paul Williams... Um, He's such a, you know, if you ever see this documentary that they have him, it's so, all his songs are the saddest of all ever. And he was so funny in the 70s. I mean, really funny. He's brilliant and Smokey and the Bandit and all that kind of stuff. And people loved him. But, oh, my God, did he write depressing songs. I, I know there's a faster version of just an old-fashioned virus. I know there's a faster version. But I don't know where it's located, and I really just don't care. So uh, as you know, um, we have some stuff to get to. You know, we're going to talk to Brian Pinelli 
uh, in a couple minutes. He is uh, a, an old friend. I'm, I'm talking about an old friend from the 70s who lives in Prague and writes for the um, this magazine called Around the Rings. It's an online thing for the Olympics. He covers the all things Olympics and sports. Interesting guy. I'm just hoping I have my... I'm trying to use that high-quality sound thing I'm doing, but I think I hooked up the microphone. Well, I guess we'll find out. You'll let me know if you hate it or not, but we're going to talk in a in a minute or so. Um, let's just tell you a couple other things. Uh, Rachel Feinstein, as you know, is giving birth tomorrow. You know, when this comes out, my God. We had a baby shower for her uh, with just comics, you know, not her mother or anything like that or, you know, sister-in-law or anything, but... Just the comics. So it was me, Amy Schumer, Nikki Glaser, Sam Morell, Colin Quinn, David Tell, Jeff Ross, uh, Bobby Kelly, Sherrod Small, um, I, I'm trying, uh, Keith Robinson, of course, uh, Bridget, all from the podcast. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Oh, Jessica Curson, who was so funny. Uh, Judy Gold. And you know, there were about 30 of, 30 of us, right? And I wore a tie, which was <laughs> the best and worst thing I could have done for myself. But I, I knew Rachel would get a kick. But boy, I think I made the <laughs> shower because the uh, all they did was make fun of my tie for about two hours. In the comment section and regularly, Judy Gold first said, uh, Jessica looks looks like he's listening to the Watergate tapes. It was, I guess it, I thought it was a brand new tie, but I guess it must look like an old fashioned tie from the seventies. <laughs> Jessica looks like he's listening to the Watergate tapes, and Sam Morell was just like, uh, "Tell Jessica when he finishes his sixty minutes interview that he should uh, say something." I mean, it was just nonstop butchering, but you know, hilarious, and I think it really made Rachel's day. Uh, it made her so happy, I think, because she was telling everybody, oh, just go wear this ridiculous tie. And so I guess, you know, if, if I have to, at my expense, be uh, mocked upon to brighten somebody else's day, well, then so be it. Uh, in this case, especially since baby showers are no fun on Zoom, but we made this one, uh, a one she'll remember and actually has a video of forever. So, oh, and uh, Marina Franklin and Yamanika Saunders put it together. And they did a great job. It was really funny. Oh, my God. So Marina has been insane about Zoom hacking and so nervous about it. You know, like no one else cares. And Rachel's like, well, who gives a crap? So what if some guy comes on and jerks off and then leaves? She's like, no, no, it's much worse than that. I mean, I don't, I don't know what could be much worse than that. But if you're there with a bunch of comics and somebody does that, I don't see how that's not hilarious. So I, I don't know who gives a shit about Zoom hacking. I mean, really? So R Marina was completely nervous about it. She had all these security measures put in. All of a sudden, as it's going, she goes, oh, my God, somebody's trying to hack in. Somebody's trying to hack in. They, they, the, the number is YXZ something. I don't recognize it. And I'm like, and that's the only time I really spoke up because I was afraid of all the other people. To say anything, because, you know, anything said can be used against you uh, with those people. And I was so afraid to uh, say so. so. I finally said, oh, my God, Marina, this is not actually happening, that you've been this nervous. You you are crazy. It turned out that the 
quote, hacker was Dan Natterman trying to get in, and he's like an idiot, and he doesn't know how to work the system. So it was even more classic that it was Natterman. He couldn't get in. He was texting everybody, and then he was wearing like a fisherman's hat when he came on. So he was funny too, but he just he like kind of ruined it by being such a moron. But it was uh, pretty classic, pretty classic. Uh, also in the news today, uh, there is a documentary – on Netflix called Have a Good Trip, and I'm just telling you right now, since everybody has been calling and texting me, including my niece, Liza, uh, when you watch this documentary, it's all about acid trips and celebrity acid trips with Sting and Ben Stiller and Carrie Fisher, who was obviously done a while ago, uh, and Sarah Silverman. So about... A week or two ago, I got a text from a girl I used to work with at the firm asking if this cartoon was me and Sarah. And I said, I don't think so. I don't remember doing a cartoon with Sarah. And she goes, well, it kind of looks like you. And I'm like, well, I don't think it's... And I didn't know what the context was. So then when my niece Liza called me and said, Uncle David, I'm pretty... I know Sarah's telling the story, you know, that you told me about you and her doing acid... And it's on TV and there it's animated and there's, you know, you're in it. And I'm like, are you sure? Because I, I don't, you know, remember her telling me this. Well, it is me and it is our story. Because, you know, the Liza was so thrilled because I told the story. She goes, I have my uncle such full of shit. And then she's watching the thing with her friends. And she goes, oh, you know what's going to happen now? They're going to do as with homeless people. And she's like, oh, yeah, they're like, right, right. And then all of a sudden they're like, and then we met these homeless people. And they're all going to lies like, wait, how did you know that? She goes, my uncle told, that's my uncle. He told me the story. So it's the best part is that it's validated. You know, when you feel like a moron, you tell your nieces all these stories that nobody ever believed. Yeah, I'm like Grandpa Simpson when I'm telling her stories. So for it to be validated is is very exciting. Um. So I talked to Sarah, and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? She goes, oh, my God, I filmed that seven years ago. And they cut out. I totally said your name, but for some reason they cut it out, and it really pissed me off because it doesn't make sense because they keep saying we, we, he, we, and it doesn't make any sense why they cut out your name. Um, it certainly would have been a lot easier, but, yes, it is It is me. If you're watching, have a good trip. It's It's me and her. I mean, that's all out of her book and everything, too, so I don't care. I don't care if people know, you know, even if I run for a Manhattan Borough president, okay, so I, you know what, good for you that you did it, you got it over with, and you never did it again after because it's terrifying. But, you know, if uh, people call me and ask me suggestions if, if they should do it or not, I have very good answers. I don't say, oh, my God, don't. No, yeah, I think you got to, everybody's got to try it once. But you got to see what the hubbub's all about, and you got to see, you know, we were talking about the Grateful Dead last week, and, I mean, you got to see. You know, unless you've done acid, you can't really comment on the Grateful Dead. Now, I understand having done acid where the Grateful Dead music will lead you. I'm just still uninterested. <laughs> but at least I can say, I'm like, well, listen, I've tried the acid. I mean, I can't imagine anybody listening to them and not being on acid. <laughs> it's just so dull. But again, I don't want to take away my Grateful Dead crazy you know, listen, I, I didn't want to say crazy listener. I meant crazy obsessed with the Grateful Dead listeners. But, um, of course, I have great respect for people who like the dead. I just can't understand. And here we go again. Anyway, 
that thing is called Have a Good Trip. It has uh, Sting, and uh, I have I did you know I watched the first twenty minutes. I got kind of bored, um, but I might pick it up again because somebody told me there was a good Carrie Fisher has a very good story for it. And of course, that makes sense. So at least uh, most of the people who are telling the stories are still alive. It's kind of bad that Carrie Fisher's in. I guess they're putting all this stuff out that they did years ago. They weren't putting out because people are dying for content. So I guess everything is uh, got put out now. I finally saw, by the way, the series season finale of. Never have I ever. It's terrific. Sad, it made me cry, but it was good. I'm very upset that that I will not be seeing the second season anytime soon. Very upsetting, because who knows when anything's coming back. I don't know how anybody's going to do anything. I mean, it takes place in a high school. Where are you going to film that? Who's going to be in it? What a mess. Oh. Uh, and regarding when I told you last week uh, about the escort service, Tessa, who you know has one number off from mine, I was getting again uh, last Sunday a bombardment. She must have somehow upped something or something. I was getting another bombardment of texts. I guess it'll come. It's it's definitely cooled off now. But I got one that I actually kept. I've been deleting all of them, but one guy sent a photo. Thank God. He was fully clothed, but this is what he wrote, and I wrote it down to tell you guys about it because it's hilarious. I'd give anything if he was listening to this show. That would be hilarious, but hey, beautiful, I, you're not going to believe this. I mean, this is, I mean it's got to be real, too, because he sent a picture of himself. Trust me. Hey, beautiful, I saw your ad and am interested. It's actually my first time since I'm a virgin. I hope you don't mind. I am quite tall, a little extra on the weight, but strong, and I have good hygiene. I suppose that's what a virgin would think would uh, would tantalize a an escort, I suppose. Anyway, if you see the picture, uh, it makes sense. He looks like, uh, you know, everybody we've ever known to be a virgin who might be. I mean, if he's a virgin, he's 15 or 16, but he definitely looks like he's in his 20s. Um. That was pretty, pretty hilarious. Um, oh, right. I uh, forgot to also tell you, I finally went out. I guess we recorded the last podcast on Saturday, so I went out. I left. I went in the car on Sunday. I went home for Mother's Day. I went to my mother's house. Got a headache there because I was breathing in the goddamn mask the whole time like an idiot. Anyway, Sunday, I took the car out of the studio. It was, my battery was completely dead, of course, but my sister gave me that thing I have in the car to charge it up. And then, you know, every time I, you know, the guys come down with me, I got to give them 20 bucks. You know, usually I give them five bucks or something. So that's cost. I might as well get a new battery. I've already paid like for a new battery already every time they got to, you know, restart it. So, so, um, yeah, went out. It was very exciting driving around, but there was, it wasn't like there was not a lot of traffic. I don't know whether it was Mother's Day or just everything's, semi back to normal i mean i granted it was very simple to get out of the city oh my god was that a breeze that was fantastic but other than that being on the turnpike and everything seemed pretty normal um so it wasn't as entertaining as exciting it might have been at first but you know obviously i couldn't leave but it was still exciting to get out um went to my mom's wore the mask she doesn't care my sister's been over there a hundred times so i wore the mask then I had some tea, and then I had a little dizziness because I was wearing the mask inside, 
I wasn't wearing it in the car, but once I put it on inside the house, I was getting a little dizzy again, you know, from breathing in the bleach. So then I sat and I rested a little bit and uh, went over to Aunt Judy's, just hung out outside with her, you know, with a distance with my mask on. And then I went to go see Beth because Beth had told me that her and her neighbors, they sit around in their cul-de-sac and just kind of hang out and drink on Saturdays and Sundays. And I really wanted to do that with no masks and just hang around with people that don't give a shit. And I I know you're not supposed to, but oh my God, I I was desperate. I mean, it's been two months and, um, you know, I knew I didn't, I knew I was not sick and I knew nobody I was hanging out with was sick either. So anyway, we wanted, I also want the Chinese food because I haven't been able to get Chinese food and I was itching for it. And there was a place that I looked up that's in uh, Ford's, New Jersey called Ling's Kitchen been going there for a long long time they have the best egg rolls i've ever had because they're meaty and thick you know and it's great and i was just gonna get like two egg rolls and some ribs that's all i was gonna get and i saw they were open so i had my sister do the ordering and then she goes they won't take my credit card so just pay for it when you get there and i'll pay you back and i got there and the place was completely closed they took her order they emailed the order but they were closed what a bunch of jerk offs i was so upset because i was looking forward to it Big time. So I went down the street to see if this other place was open, and they were open. It's called J Dynasty. Lady who, you know, I think opened that place was still there. She must be much older because I asked her if she knows my friend Lawrence Lerman, and she's like, oh, yeah, the Lermans, you know, whatever. Horrible voice imitation. But uh, they were very nice. They're like, no, we stay open. We don't care. You know, I mean, they wear a mask and everything, and they're, you know, not open, open. They're just open for takeout and delivery. And, uh, they were so nice and I just hung out there waiting for the food and they were all so friendly and nice and the food was excellent. I brought it up to my sister. It was great. First, we just let it sit there for a while and then we went and drank and I had a couple of beers. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I can have a couple of beers because I didn't know about the mask thing for a while. I was very nervous, but it only affected me when I went home and I walked from the garage to my house. I got a headache again because I was breathing in the bleach. It all made sense after Joe explained it to me. But we had a really good time just hanging out, listening to music. Oh, my God. It was so nice to be outdoors. Then I ate the Chinese food, and then I went home. It was beautiful. Stopped in a 7-Eleven for some coffee and some butterscotch crimpets. Uh, the only thing, but I was getting a headache again because I guess because I'd been drinking. Uh, I couldn't, like, talk on the phone and and drive at the same time. I was having trouble with that. But, I, you know, probably just because I was paranoid because I... Thought I was diseased, which apparently, again, I was just poisoning myself. So I just I can't even, I just want to stop saying it because let's just forget about it, shall we? Or will you people never forgive me? Um, you people. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, what, what, what was the other thing I was talking about? Uh, uh, oh, and I watched Jeff Ross. Jeff Ross has been insta-roasting, you know, every like Saturday and Sunday. So I actually, you know, just had that out in the car while I was driving. I know that ain't cool, but it was really fun to have company, you know, one of my friends. And it was live. So, you know, I just I was just listening to it. I was paying attention to the road, but it was fun to have, you know, my friend sitting. And he mentioned me when I got on, which was very exciting. And also, remember what we were talking about last time when, you know, he had a thousand followers. So it was easy to move in because, you know, you don't. But remember when there's like th- I, I, I. 
made the mistake of going on. I waited 10 minutes. I saw somebody alive. I was the third person there. Again, she's like, oh, Dave Juskow's here. I mean, I, I don't know how to they, – they need on Instagram to put out how many people are watching so we know that – sometimes you don't want to get noticed. You just want to see what's going on. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, that's a definite thing. Also, when I uh, called the episode last week, Corona Buddies for Life, which, of course, is taken from Ted. Oh, crap. I used the word Amazon and my thing just started the uh, Alexa. Shut up. Amazon, stop. Oh, my God. Sorry about that. Um, actually, I'm not sure what. I don't remember saying the word. Anyway, um, you know, I used it from the movie Ted. So I tweeted to Alex Sulkin. You know, say, uh, you know, this was taken from the movie and he tweeted back. And he's like, oh, awesome, which made me so happy because Family Guy is just the shit. And I just watched a, an episode last night, which um, was so funny. It was Peter went in a coma because he really got into the his wife and everybody told me he had to read books. So she's like, fine, read like. So he goes, this all sound like porn, all the, what she was saying, like little women, all that kind of stuff. She's like, fine, read 1984. So he went to the library and he got 1984, but it was the Van Halen CD 1984. And he just got into the song Panama. In fact, you know what? I'm going to play the clip when they're driving because it was so funny. All units, this is dispatch. We've got a red station wagon blasting Panama and being awesome and partying and being rad. Not in my town, dispatch. This is Officer Stickbutt in pursuit. Stickbutt, break off pursuit. Panama kicks too much ass and shreds way too hard. You'll never catch him. Negative, dispatch. Just need to wait for that running a little bit hot tonight part. Yeah, we're running a little bit hot tonight. Bingo. Got him now. I can barely see the road from the heat coming off. What's he doing? Suspect is headed toward Unjumpable Canyon. It's totally unjumpable. He's the seat back. Unless. Unless what, stick button over? Dear God. He's going to do it. Time to jump for the greatest harmonized sound drop in 80s rock history. You're right. It's the part that goes, ain't no stopping now. Damn it. What? What happened? Get off this channel, Joe. Come on. I want to be an outside cop. Uh, that was like so funny. That show is so awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's in a car chase and he just makes that jump. And <laughs> it's so funny what they're saying. Uh, we can't stop him. It's just he's just too way awesome. So that was hilarious. Oh, um, all right. I'll tell you what. Let, why don't we uh, talk to Brian Pinelli right now? And uh, when we come back on the flip side, we'll uh, talk about uh, Fred Willard for a little bit. Let me just get him set up here, and because that's really sad, but. Um, Let's let me get to Brian. Okay, so uh, here we are with Mr. Brian Pinelli, who I haven't spoken to since the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> is that true, Dave? I think it is, isn't it? That's that's astounding. I, I feel like maybe at some point, at some time, when I was passing through the old neighbor. No, you're you're, you're probably no eighties, eighties, Dave. Maybe if. 
And if it was the 80s, it might have been 80 or 81 tops. So it's much funnier to say the 70s. <laughs> All right. Especially thinking- since, since we're... Since we're men, it doesn't matter. You know, if it was women, I wouldn't have said that at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm guessing 82. I feel like I was 12 when, well, you can get into it when I was starring, not starring, but co-starring in, in one of your films. <laughs> and this all sounds creepy because I was already 35. So, uh, well, that's that's the weird part. So Brian and I have, we grew up in the same town. We've We've known each other for a long time, but, you know, he was like eight years younger. I was already 17. He was like, you know, 10 right, uh, or less. And we were doing films together. Now, before <laughs> everybody – now, just relax, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dave, be careful here, man. It sounds unbelievably creepy. But as any of my listeners know, I do not have or never have had a problem with age. So, yes, I was 17 and Brian was either 10 or 9. <laughs> <laughs> right, maybe. Yes, yes. I enjoy hanging out with people of all ages at all times. <laughs> well, I, I think in fairness to you, Dave, I think this was, and you could expand on this, obviously, this was part of your casting for your films, right? Obviously, like any great film, you need a, you know, a nice uh, variety, a nice mix of uh, ages and sex. So wasn't that the reason? That was the reason. And the thing is, is that, you know, I didn't, when I, you know, did you go to J.P. Stevens or Edison High? Edison High School, Eagles, man. Right. Well, I went to J.P. Stevens. You know, that was before they changed. When you went, they had changed it to, they changed the zoning. Exactly. So because I went to high school, which was about 20 miles away, I didn't really have that many friends in the neighborhood. You know, so you guys were in the neighborhood. So it was easy to, you know, plus they were all doing exciting things. And I was a nerd who, you know, wanted to just make movies super eight movies <laughs> and we did we did the best we could and brian and i uh starred in the mmw connection i don't even know what it means <laughs> absolutely with with the, the theme music was from the muppets i think you stole that that's right and from yeah. the rainbow connection See? that's how we I, came yeah, up with it exactly and it was manix merv and woody and that's what it standed for oh that's right who was i and i don't I, remember which i was i think you were manix okay okay and I, I just thought I met you through our other friends, uh, Stephen Lewis and Gordon Lewis. Whose age were you appropriate with? Gordon. Gordon and I graduated high school oh. together. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So I met you there. You were their friend and you seemed like a really cool guy. You had amazing hair. You weren't Jewish. So you had movie star look to me. <laughs> nice compliment. It was very exciting. Thank you. And Thank technically you, I didn't know you were from then. the wrong side of the track. Right, right. I was yeah over over the over the over Grandview Avenue, you know. So that's uh, yes. Well, I have talked about this. I know I've talked about this for a long time, and I actually have some questions before we get to what you do now and why we're, you know, talking today. Um, now you lived in these. Now I was always fascinated by anybody your age who was living in apartments. I just thought that was the coolest. <laughs> so much so that I still live in one today. Yeah, uh, there was just something so exciting about living in an apartment, which is easy to say after you were growing up in the apartment, you probably felt the opposite. <laughs> but um, I was always confused. Did you did you have a mother and father? Yes, Dave, I, I had a mother and father. Absolutely. Well, no, I mean, Otto, Otto and Kathy. Yeah, Otto and oh, Kathy. Otto is your father. And they were not divorced? Uh, not yet. They got divorced in, I think, like, 88, 89, you know? But you oh, know what I so, remember? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. 
No, no I was, was going to say what I remember, not to jump ahead here. I hope you remember this. You came over with, you know, uh, probably an un, not ed, not unedited, but a first uh, a first draft of the MMW connection. And my parents <laughs> in in our kitchen, you know, put up their their video screen, and this was an exciting night. I mean, especially for my parents, and they're like, "Who is this young man making films?" I said, "It's Dave Juskow." You know, just uh, come on over. Yeah, well, right, and why are you hanging out with this kid who can drive <laughs> over here? Yeah. Right. That was always the question for all the parents. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, obviously they liked you, your work, your film production. And you know what I remember? I mean, I don't want to, like, you know, brag for my dad. But I remember him saying, now, Dave, you're a nice boy. You're doing well. Here's $20. Buy yourself some new film. So I remember I remember that. Jess, I don't remember that at all. That is really <laughs> nice. I, I'm Otto, sure it's 20 bucks. It. I, 20 bucks. Now, you, you were nice. I didn't really, try not to take I it. I don't know why I thought you were um, – I, I don't know why I didn't think that you lived in the – and you had a brother, Mark, right? That is correct. Just one brother. Exactly. Yeah, Mark's in Jersey City these days, so yeah. <laughs> what a complete loser. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> um, do you guys, Do you still talk? I mean, you guys all close still? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've been here in Europe twelve years now, but uh, yeah, yeah sure, I know you've sure, been you know? a long time. You've been in you you now live in Czechoslovakia. No, Dave. No, it's not Czechoslovakia. You Americans got to get this right. You know, read your your history. It hasn't been Czechoslovakia. You know, since the Velvet Revolution back in you know ninety one, when the Czechs and the Slovaks split amicably. Hence the name, the Velvet Revolution. So anyone that says Czechoslovakia and my American friends say it on occasion. My Czech friends just give me such a hard time. And uh, so wait, I don't, what I don't know what to say. What's the name of the place then? We're, we're in the Czech Republic, Dave. Prague. That's what it's called? The That's Czech a stupid Republic. name. They should have come up with something else. Well, yeah, I don't want to get into it, but they tried to transition to Czechia. <laughs> it's been a it's been a big con- that, controversy that over here. Yeah, it would have been worse. So it's Czech Republic, and then east of us are our you know our neighbors Slovakia, right? Czechoslovakia split them in part. Czech Republic, Slovakia. There you go. Well, when I talk to uh, Mike Radovanic, I still say Yugoslavia, and he gets angry at that too. <laughs> you know that is <laughs> you just read my mind. It's really funny that you mentioned Mike Radovanic because when we were talking about the MMW connection, I was going to bring this up. I'm glad you brought up Mike's name. What I remember. Gordon Lewis had a very uh, pressure part where you had spent, I think it was like 25 bucks. I remember this vividly on this like <laughs> fake bottle of whiskey that you obviously could break over someone's head and, you know. A breakaway bottle. bottle. Yeah. Right, right. A breakaway bottle. So obviously, you know, it was expensive, right? 25, 30 bucks. So Gordon had to get this right. And I, I don't know if it was Steve or who he broke it over, but I remember he did it on the hood of Mike Ronovonic's Camaro. You remember you know, that? I remember he also – yeah, and I remember Gordon said it hurt. Like it wasn't <laughs> supposed to hurt. I felt horrible. That's right. And That's it's right. funny because I've bought a couple of those since and I'm always nervous because I remember Gordon saying it hurt and it's not supposed to hurt. Uh-huh. But I think Mike hit him on the side of the head. <laughs> well, still, it's not supposed to hurt. It's like sugar. Right. And maybe they didn't make them good back then. They make them much better now. Yeah, I haven't looked at the at the more recent ones. To be, I honest. mean, I've used yeah. it recently, up until like a year really? ago when we were doing Why? Goodfellas, oh. and you know, somebody was playing uh, Joe Pesci, you know, and then we hit this uh, Mike Pichetti over the head with the bottle, but he loved it. 
Yeah. But he's but, slightly retarded, so that would make sense. But, you you know, you were a stressed out director, rightly so, because, you know, it's 25, 30 bucks. Well, I cool. spent a lot of money. On I went all the I way know. to New York and got the break <laughs> <white> bottle. <laughs> and one one wrong move with that bottle, and, you know, and back then, 25 bucks, a lot of Absolutely. money if you're a high school kid. You Absolutely. Know. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll see if Otto can give you another 20 bucks. Is that all right? I'd appreciate Are your parents still alive? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My parents are doing well. My dad's in Bergen County. Uh, my mom's down the shore, down in uh, Hanover. Yeah, they're doing and well. She doesn't live in the Grandview Apartments anymore. No, f- no, Dave, no, no. But I, t- it, I was just talking changed. about those on the podcast. I was talking about the Grandview Apartments. How much I enjoyed going to your your pool. Ah, okay, uh, sure. I loved your pool because it overlooked the New Jersey Turnpike, and for some reason, I thought that was the coolest pool. Absolutely, and you know. When I occasionally come home and we're, we're driving on the Jersey Turnpike, obviously you look up where the pool used to be and kind of say, hey, that's exactly where the pool was in the lower section of the apartments. Wait, they got rid of it? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I didn't explore uh, it. I missed detail, that pool. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, Dave. <laughs> you know what's weird is sometimes when I think about moving out of the city, I think about moving to those apartments. I don't know why I am obsessed with those apartments. There was just something <laughs> – because I guess you were on this height. It was like living in New York City in a way because you were on a height where you could see, you know, you were so far high, you could have a view. We did. You know, in a way. I had a view from my bedroom of the of the New Jersey Turnpike. Absolutely. I know. There was, I don't know why that was so exciting for me. I, I don't know either, Dave. I don't know either, man. <laughs> How many bedrooms was your apartment? Two bedrooms, man. Yeah. So you and your brother shared a bedroom. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, no wonder you moved to Europe. Oh, yeah. Via, via Park City, Utah, though. I got lost out in Utah for eight or nine years as well. Where'd you, where'd you go to college? I mean, so listen, Brian and I haven't spoken seriously since the 70s, so I really don't know that much about him. I just know I always liked him. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. No, I appreciate that. It's, it's fantastic. I went to St. John's University, so uh, I was up in Queens for four years. And then uh, I, I started in, in New York at CBS Sports in, in 1992. Back when CBS Sports had all the Winter Olympics, so that was my start. Oh, you were you started at CBS Sport? Wow, you've been doing this for a long time. I didn't realize. Like you, Dave. You know, you've been doing stand up for as long as I know as well. So absolutely, yeah, that's true. But you're successful. Um, you know, folks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you were working at CBS Sports. So you must have done uh, a lot of the Final Fours and stuff like that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, this was a dream uh, come true, Dave, because, you know, back in the early 90s, CBS Sports had everything, you know, NCAA tournament, uh, Major League Baseball, NFL, U.S. Open, you know, Masters Golf Tournament, all the Winter Olympics, college football, NFL. I mean, it was a dream. I mean, you know, obviously the other networks kind of ebb and flow, NBC and ABC. But, you know, in the early 90s, CBS Sports was king. So Greg Gumbel, Jim yeah, Nance. You, were, you worked with uh, Duke Strzok and Bill Rafferty? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was a young yeah. kid, so I don't remember all the all the big shots. But absolutely, yes. Uh, yeah, I was young because I was working with them on a project for a while. It was very exciting. And uh, so, you know, I had a little connection there. But I didn't know you were there. And I uh, – because I actually – uh. I've gotten a couple people jobs there because I have a friend who's a sports agent. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what's his name? I bet I know. Him. I could have done that to you, Gary Rosen. Yeah, I know Gary. Gary, at the time when I was aspiring to do some on-air stuff, which I've done over the years, Gary. Uh, maybe you even put me in touch with him, or maybe not. 
But I knew. Yeah, that. you know what? I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I might have. I'm yeah. thinking. I might have. That's so. You know what? I met Gary you know, a few times. Sure, he was kind of my. I thought I, he was my agent. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, is that possible? That that's how you got that job? No, 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 no. no. I, I kind of remember putting you in touch with him, or you already I, had the job, and I put. You I, in I touch. was I was with CBS Sports, but I was aspiring to. You know, I started as a researcher, a production assistant. I used to do stats for Terry Bradshaw. That was one of my first gigs. It was like a green come yeah. true doing but football now stats. Now that I think about it, maybe we did speak in the nineties because I we had spoken. Maybe we had met at some point, and I did. I remember putting you in touch because I remember Gary mentioning your name and or something like that. Yeah, yeah no, you're right. Makes a lot of sense. It's all coming together. That's right. Because at that point, I was aspiring to you know get get on air, which I did. And uh, yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, I, I, it's all coming well, together. That was an easy, that was an easy uh, thing for him. I'm like, yeah, hey, you this is a handsome kid. You definitely want him on the air. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's funny because I, you know, as sexist as it sounds, I would always send him hot girls because uh, that's, you know, we went to college together and that's what you did, you did back in the 80s and 90s. You'd send him like, um, you got to meet this girl, even if she was bad, you know, he's like, you, you know, that was our thing. But I also sent him hot guys. So just, I'm just saying, Okay. Uh, as sexist as it is, <laughs> if somebody's going to be good, they're going to be good. And you did seem like a delightful person. I, uh, you know, you did have a good look and you have a good sound and you clearly are doing a good job because you've been doing it for a long time. And now getting into where we uh, are today, I mean, I can't, what made you go to Czechoslovakia? What's up? Yo, What's no, up? I did <laughs> Czechoslovakia. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm out in I'm out in Park City, Dave. You know, I, CBS lost. It was a sad day. CBS lost the in, the Olympics. Well, first the NFL to Fox, and then the Olympics to NBC. And I remember that's grown right. Men out, and then they got on right. The and they got the CBS got it back. Right. Right. And grown men on the floor were crying. You know. So I went up to Maine, did some on-air stuff, moved out to Park City, Utah prior to the 2002 Winter Olympics. I said, Dave, you know, New York, it's too much work, crazy hours. I mean, I loved it. You know, you work in sports, you work with Bradshaw. It's cool. But like your only time off is like, you know, two hours on like a Monday afternoon during NFL season. So it was an incredible ride. But, you know, it's just like you have no social life other than, you know, hanging out with Greg Gumbel and Terry Bradshaw. And after like four months, you're like, Bradshaw's cool. But, you know, I'd rather be hanging out with girls, right? So, um, I don't so yes. know. No, uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Terry Bradshaw is so awesome. It's hard to say. It's like, <laughs> he was, he was fun. Although now he's he really was. annoying, but you know, it's one of those things. If I was like hanging out with Peyton Manning, I'd just be like, I don't know if I want to see girls now. This guy's the greatest. <laughs> so, yes, I head out to Park City, Utah for the Olympics and, uh, had my own Olympic show out there for a couple of years called Road to Glory. I was reporting for, ESPN, Outdoor Life Network, great lifestyle, you know, skiing, the best powder wow. snow in the world, uh, you know, and, and I'm not a huge film aficionado, but obviously the Sundance Film Festival rose, rolls through Park City in the, you know, in late January. So it was a dream being out there. But then finally, about four or five years after the 2002 Games, I said, you know what, I've been covering all these Olympics, all these European, you know, so-called European sports. Uh, I love ski racing you know, which isn't big in the U.S., but, you know, you go to Austria and 55,000 people show up on the side of the mountain at 11 in the morning completely drunk, you know, and I'm like, this is the coolest thing in the world to go there with ESPN. Like, you know, obviously a Super Bowl and NCAA Final Four is amazing, but to see 50,000 drunk people at a ski race on the side of the mountain, you know? Wow. So yeah, that's, that's like, like James Bond shit. Yeah. 
I mean, it was incredible. Haunting common kids school. So uh, 2006, I said, you know what? It's time to move to Europe. Uh, I want to continue to cover Olympics, the Olympic movement, you know, the IOCs in Lausanne, Switzerland. And as you know, you know, track and field and, and ski racing are huge sports in Europe. And obviously the United States has great athletes in these sports. But, you know, we're obviously competing against football, baseball, basketball, hockey. Yeah, that's the thing. It's uh, the Olympics are, well, I mean, technically they're just stupid. That's why I was surprised you wanted to cover them. I mean, you know, if you're here, nobody cares except every four or two years, whatever it is. So it is a surprising turn, but a smart turn because the other sports are probably saturated with people. So, and to travel like that, see, that wouldn't be for me, Really, but I love the fact that you were man enough to just throw everything out and say, I'm going to Europe. And then, and then you've just lived there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you were right now, you were in Prague, right? Correct. Yeah. But you know, and how only, long have you lived in Prague? I'm, I'm in Prague 12, 12 and a half years now. Yeah. That's amazing. I can't imagine living in another city. Now that is a major, nice up and coming city, right? I mean, that's a kick-ass city, right? Yeah. I mean, Prague's been good. I mean, you know, obviously before all this nonsense happened, I mean, it was a, a tourist Mecca, but you know, being slightly out of the center, um, you know, affordable, Best beer in the world. Dave, I'm drinking a Pilsner Urkel right now in my Pilsner Urkel Czech mug. This beer dates back to 1842, the original Pilsner, and it costs about 50 Czech crowns, which is about two bucks. And oh. I mean, you can't go wrong. I mean, it's it's incredible, you know, in addition to the well, architecture I, and the history. Everyone knows I like Budweiser cans, so I don't know no. if I'd appreciate you know, that kind of stuff. I do. I do. I love Budweiser cans. I can't help it. Now, but do I you- do enjoy, you know, beer like that, you know, some a special beer. But then I can't help myself. I goddamn love the Budweiser can. But let me tell you something else about Brian, about Brian Pinelli is that he also writes for the New York Times, which I did not know. I mean, with a byline and everything, that's, of course, the most impressive thing I think there is on the planet is to have <laughs> article in the goddamn New York times. You know, I don't know whether, you know, but you know, I, people that listen to the podcast know, you know, I used to write for Maxim magazine. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like to see those and stories. A bunch of other things. And when I was reading a bunch of your articles, you had sent me, and again, I'm sorry, I didn't know. You sent me this amazing article you wrote on Bruce Springsteen's daughter, Jessica, who's an equestrian. Uh, and, and she was in the Olympics or she was headed to the Olympics? Well, no. Uh, right now, she, she since the, did the story, she was number seven in the United States at the time. This was a year and a half ago. And right before Corona, the last couple of competitions, she did well. And, and she moved up to number one. And, and the top four guys or girls, you know, will go to the Tokyo 2020. So she was supposed to Olympics. compete in this Olympics. Yes. And, and, you know, let's see what happens. They postponed it one year to 21. Hopefully it still happens. So yeah, Jessica, uh, and I'll have to tell you about meeting Bruce and talking to him about that here in Prague, but yeah, Jessica's like the number one show jumper right now in the United States. And she's still only like 26, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And you're sure she's number one for real or they just placed her at number one so bruce springsteen would come (laughs) over and i mean you're gonna get major ratings the olympic committee even though i think sometimes they're stupid especially when it comes to gymnastics and all that nonsense it pisses me off to no end but they're not dummies when it comes to making jessica springsteen number one dave it's the u.s equestrian federation 
which is probably the most uptight conservative federation you can even imagine. So it's not a U.S. Olympic Committee thing. But when you're talking no, about, I, I know, but yeah, I, I get can't your, go wrong. I get your point. You know? <laughs> so, so, so she comes back to Prague in December. It's the end of the season. It's this, you know, indoor competition in Prague's eighteen thousand seat O2 Arena, which is, you know, one of the most modern, largest arenas in uh, in Europe. So my buddy Matt Anderson. Wait, the O2 Arena, the, the O2 well, in London. Well, there's a couple. It's, it's oh, the O2 oh, in gotcha. Prague, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so I did the story uh, on Jessica. Sat down with her for about thirty minutes. We had a great chat. Made all the you know appropriate Jersey jokes, you know, so she'd think I was cool and we could relate. Had a really great interview. Of course. So, so she comes back this December. And uh, I didn't talk to her as much. She did really bad. Things weren't going well. But, of course, the boss and uh, Patty came to watch her, you know. So we're there in O2 Arena, and, you know, there's the boss sitting there. And uh, I I actually tried to get an interview with him through his publicist. And, you know, Bruce is just hanging out. Cool. So my buddy Matt Androsani from Delaware says, Brian, Monday morning, the competition's over. Let's go over to the Four Seasons. I'll treat you to breakfast, you know. I'm like, yeah, you know, that's okay. I'm not I'm not chasing people down, Matt. You know, I'm lucky to be a journalist, meet a lot of cool people. I mean, I love Bruce. I mean, so he said, come on, I buy you a nice breakfast at the Four Seasons. So we're sitting there, you know, about 30, 40 minutes and uh, kind of giving up. I said, nah, you know, he's up in a suite, whatever, probably enjoying breakfast up there. So Matt says, all right, let's, let's get some fruit and let's get out of here, you know. So we walk over, you know, scoping out the blueberries, the pineapple, and and my back is, you know, uh, obviously facing the fruit. And next thing, Matt goes, looks over my shoulder. He goes, good morning, sir. Without even turning around, obviously, I knew what's going on. And there's Bruce. And and it wasn't a crowded breakfast. At this point, it's like basically the three of us at this fruit bar. And I had a good little chat with Bruce, uh, wished him well for his uh, daughter to make the Olympics. And, uh, you know, he was just cool as can be uh, eating some blueberries and pineapples uh, at the Four Seasons in Prague. Are are you going to eat those blueberries? (laughs) Can you move aside? I got to get some blueberries for my oatmeal. Yeah. Um, Wow, that is pretty cool. And you know what the thing about him is not, I mean, he obviously doesn't give interviews. And quite frankly, when I've seen him do interviews, he seems like, kind of a retard really mm-hmm. but uh you know obviously he's very smart but he is very good about not getting in the way of what's going on with his daughter or even his son who just became you know a certified firefighter out here right. uh, a couple months ago all, be- all this all before the virus of course uh so he's obviously yeah they, you got two good kids like that that are excelling without yeah. technically being bruce's son and daughter they got to be pretty good parents yeah, sure. Well, you know, when I first interviewed Jessica, of course, the equestrian people tell me, oh, you know, the, the interview has to be about her career, not about Bruce. I said, of course, you know, of course. But like, how do you not transition right to a little bit about Bruce? So we're about 15 minutes. You'd be the, the worst interview. reporter of all time. Right. Exactly. You exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how do you not take that chance? So after about 10, 15 minutes of talking about her career and horses, I said, you know, what, what about mom and dad? How supportive are they? And she's like, you know, my dad is so cool. He is the most relaxed guy ever. He loves to come to my competitions. Very relaxing for him. She's like, I could have a terrible day. I go over to him. He's like, don't worry. It's okay. It's okay. Everything will be all right. You know? So uh, it, it was kind of neat, right? You, you can't picture Springsteen being all mellow and chill at, at an equestrian event, but uh, you know, that's his, uh, that's his R and R, I guess. And this Bruce Springsteen, he's um, a musician. Uh, yeah, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. Jersey oh, okay. guy. Jersey guy. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I heard of him, but I, I don't really know that much about him. Um. Well, last thing I got to tell you, though, you know, lucky to interview, you know, a lot of a lot of cool people, politicians, Mitt Romney, Sylvester Stallone. But this interview with Jessica Springsteen about 15 minutes through, I almost started cracking up when she's talking something serious about horses. And Dave, I just wanted to break out and be like, Jessica, how fucking cool is your father, you know? So, of course. I was so tempted to do that. I had to like bite my lip. You know, she probably would have hated me for it, but you know, how can you not well, think that? Of course. And that's the thing that can, you know, just t- um like tip you off. It's like if she says something that just is like you're like, you know, listen, I was born to run equestrians. There's nothing, you know, and then you're like, "What? What did you say? Oh my god, I can't believe you just Yeah, I'd be the worst reporter." Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you're like, "So how's oh, wait, you just said one of his songs?" <laughs> I think, you know, but let me also say something, Brian. I, you know, after reading your articles, this is what I was going to say. It's like the reason they're in the New York Times is because you write like a New York Times reporter. You write eloquently, and you you write in a way that I was just like Jesus Christ, I could never do this. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I've, I've told the story on the podcast when I was after the maxim, I got you know uh, asked to do a couple of other articles for regular newspapers and magazines, and you know I did it like once or twice, and the people were like, oh, "Seriously, can I ask? Are you slow? Like, is there something? Because because <laughs> I could not write in the proper journalistic." format the the reason i was able to get jobs at maximum is because the magazine was dumbed down for people that write like they talk you know yeah. so i'm like yeah. hey and i go to the holocaust museum i'm like where are the girls at you know like you could write like that so a yeah, different target uh, audience always, I, I get it i get it exactly yeah. <laughs> so i'm always fascinated by people that can write uh with the eloquence that you write for the uh articles that i've read which is uh that one and the chloe kim article you wrote mm-hmm. on uh I can't believe she's going to Princeton. She's awesome. Yeah, she's incredible. I actually have my Princeton sweat hoodie over here. And when I met with her in Park City, I'd never met her before briefly at this uh, World Snowboard Champs in Park City, Utah. I guess this was what, one, two winters ago. So I said, all right, I'm going to meet her over at the hotel. I'm going to wear my Princeton hoodie. And she walked in. She just loved it. She's like, what the hell are you doing with that on? I said, yeah, no, I'm a Jersey that, guy. That, that's and, great uh, when somebody that successful is uh, going to go to school. And I don't, she's, she yeah. can't take a break, right? She still has to practice and stuff because you, you, can't, you can't really go to college when you're an athlete. <laughs> you lose your prime. Yeah. What is her plan? Yeah, I mean, she told me uh, a year and a half ago was obviously to, to you know to do her best to do both, uh, you know, get off from some classes when necessary, and uh, you know, obviously not go to all competitions. So, uh, yeah, I mean, she's shooting for Beijing 2022, which are you know obviously the next Winter Olympics following following Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, goal, and, but then know? she'll be in the heart of she'll be in the heart of school. Uh, that's like very difficult to do, but you know what the hell? Because she'll still probably be able to do the 2028 20, or 2026 20, she'll probably she'll still be in her mid 20s she'll still be in a good uh, shape to do another competition no i was just gonna say she actually said the opposite of that she said you know what even though i'm young i feel like my body's beat up a little bit not too bad she's like but you know what after 2022 she's like i'm done i, I don't need to keep doing this like sean white you know into my 30s I understand that. And she's obviously really smart and has her head together <laughs> and kind of sexy. But um, she, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's very impressive 
like you said, not to be like Sean White, even though he's making a four. I mean, really, what do you have to go to college for? You're going to make money. But it's a smart thing to do. And most people don't do that anymore if they have a career like this. But uh, I love the plan. She's obviously pretty grounded. She must have good parents as well. Look yeah. at me. I'm not a parent. I don't think you're a parent. But look at it. I'm just, I can't be like, you know, these are good parents. Uh, they're talking about like. <laughs> well, I mean, Dave. But I, I love the fact that you. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, one, one of the best stories out there from the 2018 Winter Olympics. And she's my latest guest on ATR Radio. It uh, actually airs today. It's also on YouTube. I sat down. Well, I didn't sit down, right? Everybody's in their own homes. But <laughs> um, sat down with Esther Ledetska who's a Czech girl who had done something that had never been done in a hundred years of the winter Olympics. And uh, still absolutely phenomenal. Blew my mind in South Korea. She won a gold medal in Alpine skiing in the super G her background is more of a snowboarder. She's one of the world's best parallel giant slalom snowboarder riders. She comes out of the back of the pack. The Austrians were already celebrating in the finish line. NBC had already left the competition said, Oh, Austrian Anna Vith is the winner. We're going over to figure skating. Ledetska comes down the hill, steals gold by one one hundredth of a second, and she didn't believe it because she thought the clock was wrong. The camera guy says, Esther, you're the winner. And she says, no, no, there was a mistake with the clock, you know. So it was incredible. And then seven days later in Korea, Dave, she won a gold medal. And, you know, here she was a favorite, but obviously with tons of pressure on her shoulders in snowboard parallel giant slalom. So no one had ever even competed in both skiing and snowboarding in the games, she's the first one to do it, and she won gold medals in both. So I spoke to her uh, two days ago here in Prague. I, I saw the interview, and uh, it was really great. You're really funny. You're very engaging. I saw it was a Zoom interview, right? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, she's really pretty. You get to interview a lot of hot girls. <laughs> That's not true. Usually, usually, it's, yes, usually, it usually it's hockey players. Did you also interview Lindsay Vaughn as well? I saw it. Yeah, yeah. Lindsay and I go back so, some years, but yeah. Yeah, she was, Is that she was right. She was cool back in her younger days. Now, you know, between I don't want to get into it. I know you're a Devils fan and her and P.K. Subban, they become uh, quite the comedic <sighs> couple, you know. I, I, I can't stand Lindsey Vaughn. I got a problem with her. I think yeah. she's uh, full of crap. So yeah. uh, I don't yeah. have it. But there's no doubt about it. She is hot. But, yeah. Um, I, but it's amazing you're but then you you'll do the snowboarding, do the skiing, but then you also interview people like Rory McElroy from golf, right? And uh I mean you you'll interview anybody that'll tell you you also work for this thing called aroundtherings.com. That's where you're talking ATR radio, aroundtherings.com. It took me about uh three days to realize the rings were talking about the Olympic <laughs> rings. I had no idea what that meant. I told you I'm not a bright guy. <laughs> yeah, they're out of Atlanta. And you work for them. Every day, right? Like you have to come up with something every day? I mean, not every day, Dave. But, yeah, I mean, I've pretty much been with them 11, 12 years, you know, juggling other projects, New York Times, Powder Magazine. and uh, But, you know, ATR, you know, many people obviously don't know them, the average sports fan. But we've been covering – they've been covering the Olympic movement for more than 25 years. A guy named Ed Hula started it. And, like, you know, maybe for some people it's not interesting what the Ping Pong Federation is doing over in, in China – but, you know, we're covering the governance of sport, the international federations, you know, what the ski federation is doing, who are the presidents. So, you know, it's trade media, but it, it's, it's fascinating in a way because I've got to cover the IOC in Lausanne, Switzerland for, you know, eight, nine, ten years. So uh, always some, you know, no, it is fascinating. Stuff. It's just like no one here cares. 
you know, yeah. but I know it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we only care every four years and we really just, you know, we're so Americans are so selfish. We just like football <laughs> and um, that, that's pretty much where it ends and maybe basketball. But um, oh, by the way, have you been watching The Last Dance? You know, I haven't. I, I don't have ESPN, and you might lead me into another story, but obviously I've heard it's excellent. You know, I, I have it's not. It's so unbelievable. I know, I know. I have not. But, Dave, I want to ask you, do you remember? Because I used to tell everyone in high school, and they thought I was insane. This is back in the late 80s, and you're going to laugh at me right now, and I don't care. But I was, if you remember, I was a crazy pole vaulter. I don't know why. And my idol in those era, in that era, in the late 80s, you probably know the name, but don't know too much. Yeah, Sergei, Bruce Jenner. Sure, no, I know no, it. No, but it turned no, out he became no. a woman. Oh, I know sorry, go good. ahead. Sergei Bubka. <laughs> he was a Soviet pole. Oh, he was good. He, he broke the world record 35 times. And I mean, okay, not in the United States, but around the world, in some regard, he was on par with Michael Jordan as far as popularity and being the best athlete in the world. And I used to tell all the guys in Edison, ah, come on, Jordan's incredible. Bubka's better. And everyone laughed at me, Dave. But you know what? Of course they laughed at you. You sound like an idiot. All right. But but I'll tell you this. And I wasn't a journalist at the time. Sports Illustrated, the 92 Barcelona preview issue, runs a huge story about Bubka and Jordan. And they've got this incredible photo of Michael Jordan. People don't remember this. Holding a pole, looking up at the sky, and Bubka's next to him coaching, holding a basketball. And it was absolutely wow. incredible. Yeah, it's a great story. Look it up on Sports Illustrated. It was uh, Air Jordan meets Air Bubka. Wow, that's amazing. Well, what's even more amazing is I used to pole vault as well at Edison High. <laughs> Did you? I don't remember. That. I used to have to go from Herbert Hoover and travel to Edison High was the only place they had the pole vaulting. And I pretty much did it to just get out of running. Okay. And I never got over opening height. <laughs> you told me this. Yes, yes. Yeah, because I didn't know how to pole vault. I was just trying to get out of practicing track. <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah. It was bril- It was a brilliant plan technically, except I was afraid of pole vault. I mean, that is a one scary sport. How high did you get? Yeah, not high enough. I went about 13 feet. I think I went 12 in high school. 13, 13 feet? 13 I couldn't get over the six feet limit. <laughs> But Bubka. Oh, my God. I never got over. I never made it once. Yeah. Dave, I mean, think about this. In the early 90s, Bubka went 20 feet. That's two stories on a pole. 20 feet? 20 That's feet. insane. Two times higher than Michael Jordan. Back to my case. <laughs> oh, my God. That's unbelievable. That really is unbelievable. But you know what the fascinating thing about you is also there's a bunch of pictures of you, and you really are a reporter. You're in the thick of things. When somebody's coming down that slope, like you were talking about <laughs> Esther Lebecca, and like you, you, you know, you got pictures of you sitting with the microphone when they come down. They're all there. I mean, it's it's kind of it's very exciting. Where did you see this? I'm not sure, Dave. I, I think you're right. Where, where did you see this? I do a lot of deep, uh, uh-huh. you know, uh, cover uh, of the stuff, and it's you know, there's a bunch of pictures of you doing your job, and it's quite fascinating because you're really, uh, you know, you're. I mean, it's not like I don't believe you. But it's, <laughs> But, no, when you, but um, it, it, there's there's nothing better when you, you know, you meet somebody and they, they're telling you, you were telling me, here's what I do, here's what I do. And then you look it up. And, you know, I know you're not lying, <laughs> but when you see it live and you see the interviews sure. and you see the photos with you and people, I'm like, oh, I guess he's not kidding around. I mean, I mean, why would you be? But, um, you know, it's, just, it's very – it looks like you – it looks like you live – you're very happy with your existence. Yeah, it's fun stuff. It's, it's yeah, it's been fun. The travels and uh, you know the Olympic movement, the people, and you know just just to kind of top it off, everything uh, two weeks ago kind of came full circle. 
Uh, I did, you know, my childhood idol, Bubka, not Michael Jordan. You know, hate me if you want for saying that. You know, Bubka's a, a sports leader. <laughs> Maybe not you. Maybe not you, but others out there. You know, Bubka's the president of the Ukraine Olympic Committee, vice president of the Track and Field Federation. He's an IOC uh, executive board member. So Bubka and I actually two weeks ago, it was like my dream come true, Dave, you know, 30 years after idolizing the Soviet pole vaulter as a, you know, a blue collar kid from Jersey. It's like, how would I ever in my life meet this guy other than maybe at Madison Square Garden? So uh, he was a guest there on uh, ATR radio last week. And uh, so cool to talk to Sergey, you know, 30 some years later. And, you know, I think I think he knows that he was my idol. But, you know, I try to be pretty cool about that. Oh, listen, Brian, I feel the exact same way. Uh, you know, last month I interviewed Larry from Three's Company, so I know exactly what you're <laughs> really? talking about. Really? Awesome. Uh, when you, oh, yeah, it was awesome. And when you get to meet and hang out with your idols, yeah. it's awesome, no matter who it right. is. Absolutely. Yeah. So for you, that was that one. You know, it's like, but for me, that's better than Michael Jordan, <laughs> Larry from Three's Company. He's the best. Yeah. Yeah, yeah those are about like a, just, just before the world fell apart. Yeah. Um, I would think, uh, but yeah, it's it's so so what so what's happening then the so the the Olympics are going to happen in 2021 or is this still on hold? Well, I actually was on. This is pretty interesting too. It was on a virtual press conference today and yesterday. Today with the Tokyo 2020 organizers, about 200. President Thomas Bach. Uh, well, that was right. That was yesterday. The IOC today was Tokyo, and yesterday IOC President Thomas Bach. Very good, Dave. About 300 journalists online, virtual press conference. And, uh, you know, the plan right now is, is July of 2021, right? Obviously, a lot's still up in the air. You know, a, a leading uh, doctor, medical expert in Japan said, you know, we, we do need, he thinks, a, a vaccine to have these Olympics. The other potential option, right, is all sports are obviously talking about, is, you know, doing them without fans. So, you know, That's but... True. I mean, it's crazy, but at the same time, they're committed for one year from now. Obviously, uh, a lot can happen, right? Everybody hoping for the best. So the 2020 Tokyo Olympics are, are scheduled for 21. And, you know, last note about that, this has never happened in the history of the Olympic Games. I mean, obviously, the Olympics were canceled during World War II, but they had never been postponed one year, you know. And the IOC said yesterday uh, they just approved $800 million, 650 of which is, is going to, you know, reorganize the games with the Japanese. So uh, hope they can pull it off. But, you know, crazy. Well, I, you know, it's really not that big a deal. At first, I thought it would screw everything up. But remember when they moved the winter and the summer for every two years and they had a gap like that, people figured it out. So it, yeah. it'll be fine. Well, it's not the gap, though. It's obviously the health and safety of everyone that's oh, going. No, no, there. no. I understand. I'm I know, just saying I know they'll be do. fine in the sense that it's 21 and the next one's 24. I mean, you know, well, no, no, the I mean, next. Well, right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, no, that's not. They'll, an issue they'll, they'll keep it with the even years. Right. I mean, right. They're not right. going to just move it to 25. Right. Exactly. Right. right. It'll all work out by then. Everything will be fine. I mean, it has to be because if it's not, we're all doomed anyway. So who the hell would even want the Olympics? I mean, we'll all be dead if we can't get to the Olympics <laughs> yeah, yeah. with fans yeah. by July of 2021. Yeah. We are all doomed. Pack it in. So huh? pack it in. Huh? Yeah. There's just there'd be no reason to not hold it at that time if we still aren't going outside and we're still afraid. We're at, you know at some point, at least in January of 2021, somebody's going to have to say, "Let's just put the cards where they may and let them fall, and we just go out and we either catch it or we don't." I mean, you just can't sit inside for two years. No, no. But you know what, Dave? Talking about attractive uh, 
attractive women, athletes. Yeah, uh, go on. Okay. Tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow. Not my attention. Maybe, maybe the only uh, live sporting event uh, ongoing is the Ultimate Garden Clash. And get this. So this could be a little bit of wave of the future, obviously, in the situation we're in. Three of the world's top pole vaulters, uh, a Greek girl, a Canadian girl, an American, are each, and they did this actually last week with, with the guy pole vaulters. They're each going to be pole vaulting in their backyard, obviously with a home rigged camera, their computer or whatever. And uh, it, it's a competition tomorrow, stream live with each of the girls in their own backyards competing against each other. Damn it. We're, uh, yeah, well, this comes out, unfortunately, after that happens. But can we, will we be able to see it online? Because I got to say, I, I really want to see that. <laughs> Absolutely. World, worldathletics.com. It's sometimes Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Worldathletics.com. Worldathletics.com. Not yeah. on ATR. No, no. Well, we might do a story, but no, not on ATR. Yeah, ATR will cover it. Right. 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 Well, Brian, I mean, this has been so much fun. It's been fun catching up. You're a really nice guy. Um, I really, I think if you lived here, we would be pals. We would. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're pals anyway. I mean, you know, but yeah. you're right. Well, you There's know, some I mean, distance. we could hang I out. You could come, I could follow you, and you could uh, come to the clubs and see me, and uh, we we could. Uh, we could uh, have a good time together. You know, I you agree. Seem like a fun guy. You like to drink beer. I enjoy that as well. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're closer in age. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, the last thing we didn't get into, Dave, and we don't have to get too into it. Uh, I think the only thing dividing us maybe a little bit, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking politics here, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a diehard New York Rangers fan, and I know you're a devil's guy. So. Wait, you hate <laughs> Jews? What? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not what um, I said. That's not what I said. Uh, yeah, that, well, that is, an, that is an issue. But listen, everyone I know is a Rangers fan. There's nothing I can do about that. Okay. Um, you know, I'm I'm used. Listen, all my friends are Yankees fans. I like the Mets. I just have to live with it, and that's the, what I do. But sure. yes, when the Devils play the Rangers, it's problematic. My friend Kevin Cash and I uh, <laughs> used to have. You know, we used to watch the games together, but it's it is problematic rooting for the other team, especially when you're in Manhattan wearing a Devils cap. People don't take too kindly to it. The Devils, you're rooting for the Devils. He supports. I love the, the Devils. Devil. I even have a picture with Putty. Yes, you know, you've like, got a we were sitting next to each other when we face painted. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. You painted your face? Yeah, well, the devil called him up, and they paid him to come out for the first playoffs in five years, so it was way awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. But, you know, like, uh, you know, my cousin owns the team, so there's no way I can't root for them at this point either. I mean, I liked them beforehand, but I see. now I have to. You do. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. P.K. Subban, last, my last question as a as a journalist, uh, you know, is, is he is he slacking with uh, his production as a, a top NHL defenseman, probably because of uh, he and Lindsay doing too much social media? Uh, every uh, black athlete that has dated a blonde woman has slacked <laughs> once they've started dating them. So okay. thank you very much, folks. I'm here all week. That's what, and, you that's know, what I was going with, but okay. <laughs> I know you aren't. You're you're too kind to talk like that. But uh, that's all me, folks. That's not on Brian Pinelli, the Thank great you. Brian Pinelli from AroundTheRings.com. You can see his interviews and his blogs and his articles in the New York Times. Thank all the, I mean, he's the only person left covering sports because there's still a couple of things going on <laughs> in Europe. So Brian Pinelli, the sole survivor of journalistic sports of journalism. It's amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that uh, much. Very much, Dave. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much, Brian. It was so great to talk to you and uh, great killing time during this uh, nonsense. Yeah. We'll get through it, man. So we'll, be, we'll do it. Be safe. Yeah. We'll do it. You too. Be safe, buddy. What a terrific guy that uh, Brian Pinelli always been a nice kid. And uh, kind of him to take uh, take up his time today. 
in Prague with a six-hour difference. In Czechoslovakia, yeah, yeah, what's up? Yeah, I don't give a shit. Fuck them. Yeah, I said Czechoslovakia, what's up? Would I say it to their face? Like I said, the only thing I know is the Croatia because, you know, I had some Yugoslavian friends, so they made it very clear. So I guess if I had some Czech friends, but again, it's just not clear. Like he said, they they were going to call it, what were they going to call it? Uh, yes, very sad news about the amazing Fred Willard, who was absolutely a living legend. Um, you know, somebody who, if you listen to this show, you know we love. I was fortunate enough to meet him. Uh, like one time I saw him in a play, me and Kevin Cash, uh, from the Turbocharger Memo, went to go see him in a play in the city, like in a small theater. It was so weird uh, because we idolized him. And then we got to meet him after, and he was just such a, a kind person. You know, Rachel and Jeff have been telling me how nice he was. They were the last ones to work with him on the roast of Anne Frank, uh, where he played God. And he, you know, Rachel was telling me some stuff, but she just didn't understand who he was or anything. Um, but uh, this was kind of interesting. This is, he's talking, <clears throat> I'm sorry, he's, um, I think, oh, no, here's, 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 hold on a second. This is him on, uh, this is how funny he was just on Letterman. And, you know, Letterman used to let him do sketches and stuff, too, because I guess Letterman was a fan of his from, you know, Fernwood Tonight or America Tonight with Martin Mull, which I, that was a little before my time where I didn't understand, but. He was on a lot of Letterman appearances, and um, he was just a funny guy in person, obviously. And, and how's the, the show with Martin Mull? Oh, that's an unusual one. The history yeah. of white people in America. That's going to be, and it's time for that show, yeah. because a, <laughs> a lot of us are misunderstood. They don't understand our cultural, you know, the uh, bar- barbecues in the backyard and the bowling leaves. Yeah. and. A lot of people in New York will not get on a subway car with a white man riding alone now. So, um, but it's good. Martin Mull, uh, it came from Martin Mull's mind, of course. What else? And uh, I'm no friend with Martin. I worked with him. I did have to go in an audition, read three times, and leave a picture. But, uh, but I play the uh, Mr. Harrison. It's the Harrison family. And Mary Kay Place is my wife. And it should be interesting. I haven't seen the finished yeah, product. Yeah, it sounds funny. Yes. Uh, you know, I thought you were terrific in... Um can't think of the name. Oh, this is Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap. Yeah, that was, very yeah, funny. That was a terrific yeah. movie. Uh, are you are you doing any club work these days? I know you uh, used to be very active. I was, yes, but I, now in, I'm in a play in Los Angeles mm-hmm. called Isn't It Romantic? And it's the first play I've done in a long time. And I did not know if I wanted to get into a play, you know, the discipline sure. every night and it's yeah. live. But then I found out that I spend most of one scene in bed with a naked girl. And I said, hey, I'm a professional. I might yeah. as well take a chance. <laughs> It's the tradition of the theater, uh, Laurence Olivier and all. Uh-huh. You know, Larry would have done it. And um... <laughs> He's so funny. I mean, he was just so funny. And he was funny off the cuff. And the reason, because I, I wasn't sure, you know, how that, you know, if, it, if all these things were off the cuff, but they were. But because here he is talking about how he got the part on Spinal Tap and how he 
he added all those things we played at the beginning. I mean, it's kind of a miracle. You always think it's scripted, but he, I guess, was that good. My agent called and they said, um, uh, Rob Reiner called and he and Harry Shearer and them have this movie. Uh, Spinal Tap is about a hard, as a metal, heavy metal group. And they come to an, an Air Force base and you were the officer at the Air Force base who greets them. And I said, oh, I'm going to be this jerk. You know, they're going to be a hip group. I said, no, I don't want to do it. So he said, no, they really want to talk to you. I said, Irvin, I, don't, I just don't want to do that. It's, you know, I, I'm tired of playing characters where I'm always this square guy. He said, why don't you just go out and talk to them? I said, okay. I knew Harry Shear. I kind of knew Rob Reiner. And I went out, and they said, look, uh, Rob and Harry are out to lunch, but they'd want, want, want you to watch this little six- or seven-minute uh, tape they've made. So I said, okay. So I watched it, and it was so extraordinary. I said, I can't believe that they're improvising. And this, these are not real people. So Rob and Harry Shear came back from lunch. I said, I've got to be in this movie. They said, okay, well, we should talk to your agent about money and bill. I said, no, no, I don't care about it. Just, I, I want to be in the movie. So I went down, I did the movie, I did the scene, and they did about three takes from my point of view, the group coming in. It was all improvised. Then they did turn one around on me. And... Um, uh, it, it just whatever came up came up. I felt kind of free because I knew Michael McKeon, I knew Harry Shear. I didn't know Chris Guess that much, but I knew who he was. And then Rob Reiner said, "Now, Fred, later today, there's another scene uh, where they're they're performing, and they sent out a laser beam or something. Want to get a shot of you in the audience ducking?" And I said, "Well, Rob, my mom is in town, and I'm not spending that much time with you know. I didn't." I didn't know where this movie was ever going to be seen. I said, it's just as soon, you know, I did this scene. Let me go home. Oh, sure. Okay. So by the time it came out, I uh, I don't even know if it was that popular when it first came out. Um, but it sure was. It was recently voted the number one rock and roll movie of all time, uh, which is great to be in. And, of course, that led to me being in a lot of his, uh, Christopher Guest's other movies. So um, it was an afternoon well spent. Not... Not that much of an afternoon. I had to get home to see my mom. <laughs> um, you had some military experience growing up. Is Can you tell us a little bit about that? And, and uh, well, did you tap into that at all for that role? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I went in as an enlisted man because I didn't care for the military. And I said, I can't go in and give orders to people. So I served two years. And I went to Germany. I played on the baseball team. Got to travel all around Germany. Uh, so it was a great experience. But by this time... I didn't, you know, the, the military um, stuff I was fed up with. So when they asked me to do this spinal tap, I, I knew the military sensibility. So it was right there. The guy's trying to fit in. He was the entertainment director. He wanted to seem like a regular guy. My hair is a little long. I need a haircut. I can't stand too close to you because they'll think I'm part of the band. Um, so that's what I, where I pulled on. Isn't that great? I mean, just, uh, you know, again, those, I mean, I'm saying it because those lines, you know, when we do, I mean, the reason you listen to this show is because we, we all love, you know, we know every line from Caddyshack. We know every line from, you know, Fletch or Easy Money or Back to School. You know, we know these lines. These are all written by professionals who got paid a lot of money and went over and over it again, especially the Dangerfield stuff. And he's like, are you sure this is good? They've been, they've been thought upon. They've been scripted. They've been approved. I mean, this guy, 
he comes in, and I'm talking about not just this guy, but I mean all of Spinal Tap, which of course makes it even better. And uh, you know, you can see that with Larry David as well. But I mean, this guy comes in, and I think I knew his entire speech. You know, I mean, you know, maybe not heart by heart because I'm bad at that, but you know, I'm just there's like oh. Uh, this this is kind of a place where we let our hair down. I see you've already done that. Uh, although I shouldn't be talking, I'm getting a little long in the back. I'm joking, of course. I mean, just to improvise uh, that whole sentence would be so difficult for me. That's just something I can't. I can barely remember memorize lines, let alone improvise. He prefers to improvise and not memorize lines. But he actually, you can hear him talking about. Waiting for government, he's like, wait, this whole thing is going to be improvised? Because then uh, clearly he just met Christopher Guest. Christopher Guest must have been blown away by him because then they started this unbelievable career together. So he so he was talking about how Waiting for Government is completely also improvised. I guess we all know that. It's just that there's so many lines in these movies that it's amazing that they are just improvised and then I'm sure maybe they're improvised. Somebody has a good one, so they do it again, and they make sure they get it. But still, you know, without for the stuff that we worship, that you know, we say on a daily basis, um, you know, uh, you know. Although now that I think about it, in Caddyshack, I wonder if Bill Murray's stuff was also improvised. So a lot of that stuff. But yeah, I mean, that whole to just come in and do a scene like that, and I think they, uh, if you look him up with his death, I think they call him like a scene stealer or something because. That is what he was. I mean, if you just best in show alone, um, I remember when Kevin Cash and I went there because we just really worshipped him so much, let alone those kind of movies, but mostly we went for Fred Willard. We didn't like best in show. I mean, now it's a little better because he's made, you know, all of Christopher Guest's movies got worse as they went on, Waiting for Guffman being the best, and then they go down and down it so if you've seen best in show before you see waiting for government you're gonna think best in show is great and then you got a mighty win and then you got the for your consideration they all kind of go downhill a little bit nothing beats uh waiting for government but so best in show we didn't love i mean now i like it a little more but fred willard single-handedly for me saved that entire movie and the toy, the toy group, the oh, yes. shoot is coming in. Here is uh, uh-huh. Scott Donlan. Look at Scott. He is prancing along with a dog. And look at that outfit yeah. he's wearing. I'll tell you, if you live in my neighborhood and you wear an outfit like that, you better be a hotel doorman. He is having fun with his dog. <laughs> I mean, it's just, uh, here's some more, I think. She has really given him a thorough going over. Are all judges that thorough? I mean, yes, she looks yes. at the teeth. It's very important that all the attributes are examined. Uh, teeth, eyes, Runs ears, Ouch. gums. Am I seeing right? Where's she putting her hands now? Uh, she's just checking out the dog's uh, testicular area to make, sure, <laughs> <laughs> to make sure that uh, that everything is intact. Hate to go out on a date with Judge uh, Edie Franklin and have her judge me. That would be no fun. Could you please take your dog down and back for me, please? <laughs> now she's having the dog's... Why do they have them run away from them and then back up? What's the point of that? What are they looking for? They're looking for the gait and movement of the uh-huh. dog. And it's very important to see the small angles. So uh, Edie will be checking out this in particular. Mm-hmm. Good way to judge a woman. Have her run away from you and then run back. You know, those <coughs> birds on Connaby Street. <laughs> yes. I'm used to seeing them run away from me more often than <laughs> run towards me. Yeah. 
now what is that? Is that that's a uh, a bloodhound, isn't it? I think this is a tremendous dog, and I would say maybe in two to three years this could be a champion dog. But I just think it may be a tad immature for this year. Just trying to get a little playing time in. And take your dog down and back for me, please. Uh, you know what would be funny? I don't know if they can do this. Uh, uh, just an idea off the top of my head. Why did he put the blood on, put on one of those Sherlock Holmes hats and put a little pipe in his mouth? Are they ever allowed to do anything like that, dress up a dog in a funny way? No, that's, uh, that's not quite what the uh, purpose of these shows is. But it would, I think it would really get the crowd going. You know, you know what I mean? The Sherlock Absolutely, Holmes hat yes. with the pipe. I don't know if you could make it look like smoke's coming out of the pipe. I think that would be a little dangerous. <laughs> I'd get a kick out of it. Uh, he, you know, it's just, it's so simple and it's just so funny. Plus, um, they have footage of him talking about how they filmed it. He was only able to be there for two days or I think the other guy he was with, who by the way is not, you know, he's just an actor. He's actually, in a way, it's kind of like, um, uh, I'm trying to, th- it's like, uh, Rain Man in the way where, yes, Dustin Hoffman's performance in there is phenomenal, but then you have to realize that Tom Cruise's is, is actually, very good as well sometimes you don't notice that fred willard is of course the only one you're keeping your eyes on but that other guy who is just an actor he doesn't know anything about dogs he he was so believable everybody thought to this day if you don't know if you're not listening to this you don't know you think oh they bought in a guy and fred willard's just having fun no he's just an actor he's a brilliant actor and they work so well together but fred willard said uh he didn't know anything about dogs and that Chris Guest gave him the thing. I want you to be like Joe Garagiola, who was a legendary. He was also the host of the Today Show for a while, I think, but he was a baseball commentator. And he used to do the dog shows all the time. And he knew nothing about dogs. So that's why Fred Will is always using these baseball analogies and metaphors and sports stuff, which is so funny. And um, God, he uh, really just took over. For it. But they. Yeah, they weren't even what they were just shown clips of the uh, dog show and stuff. It's amazing that they were able to get some of those lines. They must have just all been laughing about it. That's what I've heard and everything. I, I, that really is. Oh, God, he's definitely going to be missed. Here's here's him in, um, you know, the best part in Mighty Wind because he's the funniest. Quick plug. Oh, I'm Mike LaFontaine, owner and founder of High Class Management. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Comics constant companion. Let's start right out. Hey, what happened? As you know, back in 1970, I started on a series called <laughs> What Happened? And every time something would go wrong, I would look at the camera and say, Hey, what happened? <laughs> we had a lot of fun with that and a lot of other catchphrases. I got a real red wagon. And uh, I can't do my work. And I believe I was the first one to use the phrase, I don't think so. But it only lasted a year, and that's good because that's how you establish a cult. So I was on stage doing all my shtick, you know, hey, what happened? And I can't do my work. And if someone would heckle me, they'd say, are you going to be on stage all night? I would say, that's right. And that'd crack up the audience. I believe it's all ad-libbed. I mean, maybe they gave him some sort of backstory or anything, but there are a lot of interviews explaining how he did it. And uh, boy, goddamn. Yeah, he's definitely missed. He was also... What I just saw him, I think on, uh, you know, he, I mean, everybody wanted to use him. So I guess he was on Modern Family recently, and which I never watched. But uh, I think I saw him on an Everybody Loves Raymond. The other day. I mean, people just worshipped him and they wanted to use him all the time. He was obviously really terrific. And 
you know, just you, you, I think, you know, you ended up just writing parts for him and stuff. And he'd been around for such a long time. He completely paid his dues. Really interesting guy. And, uh, you know, I mean, he was 86. He didn't die of the virus. You know, so many people are dying, not of the virus. It's weird. I mean, I know this is probably all normal, but it seems like, you know, like I heard Mark Marin's girlfriend just died. She was a director, you know, of like a blood disease, like not the virus. She's 52, just like um, Adam Schlesinger. He's the, the only guy we've known who've died of the virus. And Vic Henley died, not of the virus. I went to the emergency room, not of the virus, because I was poisoning myself, which will always be classic. I mean, it's crazy to it. This is just it. I mean, it's just weird. It's uh, Jerry Stiller, who was, uh, you know, up there with Fred Willard in the sense of at least the Seinfeld stuff, which is amazing. You know, he did lots of different kinds of acting. He could play serious roles, too. But obviously, his Seinfeld stuff is just. It's just sick. And then, you know, again, we've talked about it before, how he just, you know, as Kevin James asked him to come out of retirement. He just took it down, took the character down a little bit. Uh, so it, he changed it just enough to still be funny, uh, still be a little prickly, and forge a, a, a different kind of character for uh, King of Queens. I, there was a bunch of stuff, you know, we usually like to end with the music and everything, but I think we've done enough for today. Um because you know i've been watching the uh classic albums and everything but i think i'll just get to them next week because you know again we're not taking a break or anything I'll just uh see so, you know there was one thing i had this idea which is uh, kind of good about colleges people everybody's been telling me it's a really good idea nobody knows if colleges are coming back or not or what they're going to do and my theory is since people are very nervous that the virus is going to come back in the you know during the the winter time and everything is to uh Start colleges on July 1st and I don't know, let everybody go back or whatever the plan is, but start them July 1st End them on Thanksgiving. That's when everybody goes home and bring them back on April 1st or April 15th. No, April 1st. You'd have to be April 1st. Yeah. What do you think? Start them July 1st until November because it's not flu season until really around Thanksgiving. I think you could take a chance keeping everybody together until Thanksgiving. At least then you have, you know, some sort of experience or something. I, I do feel bad for these kids. It's, you know, this is different than the um, millennial. It's, 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 again, it's really funny. You know, you, when you're this old and you start to resent kids who are in their 20s or, you know, I mean, we, there's nothing you can say. We're all going to end up like we didn't think, like our parents or grandparents, and we all hate kids who are in their 20s and they seem selfish and they're only you know committed to staying at home they don't want to work i mean this is exactly what our parents and grandparents thought but jesus christ if these millennials and people born in let's say 1990 and beyond where i guess are called millennials i don't know what the cutoff or start is but um we all make fun of millennials we hate millennials but they have been through a lot september 11th all this kind of stuff and now Whoever was born, I don't know, in 2000 or 2010, uh, you know, is also being born with uh, stuff that, you know, again, our parents would talk about, you know, like being involved with World War II and, and stuff like that and maybe even Vietnam. But remember all those things, although the Vietnam is certainly a thing and they affected our country and the people in them, but they didn't happen here. 
you know, World War II, Vietnam, all those wars didn't happen here. All the stuff we're talking about is stuff our parents and grandparents just didn't prepare us for. They all happened here. It's brand new. Again, as I say, we've only been here over a little bit over 200 years. Uh, this country has only been around that long where we started keeping records. So it makes sense in the history of everything that we are now getting hit with the stuff that, you know, if you look back England and, you know, all the other places in Egypt and stuff have been going through a lot of shit in their history. We were bound to catch up at some point. Some bad stuff was going to go down here. So now we're getting into it. But, uh, Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was just looking at my notes. I'm sorry. I just wanted to make sure I caught a bunch of stuff. And I was thinking, Richard Klein got to work with Fred Willard on something. He put something on Facebook. If you looked that up, you know our friend from Three's Company, and he said something really terrific about him too. Uh, also, the uh, last thing I didn't watch this week's the last episodes of The Last Dance, which now everybody is talking about the Michael Jordan documentary on ESPN again. Highly recommend it. Um, but it's fascinating now everybody's talking about, you know, what a dick Michael Jordan is. I mean, this documentary is terrific in that sense where it's just showing these these new ways to look at Michael Jordan. But, you know, you, you just have to make your own opinion from when you see it. So I'm waiting for the last two episodes. But it was funny. This, you know, I listened to the sports station here every day. And this guy, Joe Benangos on it, who's, you know, just a living legend in sports New York radio. He likes the Jets. He likes the Mets. He likes the Knicks. And he was talking about it. I was watching, you know, he's like, he's so bad. Like when there's people that like Michael Jordan and we all liked Michael Jordan, but if you were a Knicks fan, you hated Michael Jordan. You hated him. You know, you can't, you know, you, you're supposed to hate him. He hated the Knicks. We hated him. They couldn't win because of Michael Jordan. You're living in the Michael Jordan era. So he gets really angry and a very two-faced Spike Lee, which makes a lot of sense because I always talk about how goddamn two-faced Spike Lee is, and he can use the race card as much as he wants, but how angry and childish he gets when he is not win for an Oscar, he's not nominated, and how he gets very angry, if you know, especially if it's a Jew, it's, it's a fact. And then he mentioned something where he was filming and directing and doing commercials with Michael Jordan. He was so up Michael Jordan's ass in the 90s, but if you think about it, who is the most the biggest Knicks fan you can think of, it's Spike Lee. So the two-facedness of this guy to be all, oh my God, Michael, Michael, you're the greatest who should be the mortal enemy of anybody who is the biggest Knicks fan. So this guy's been two-faced for a long time. And I say this because I'm saying I'm two-faced because if Spike Lee wanted to be in a movie, I'd be like, Spike, I think you're terrific. I really do. Everything you're doing is great. I love those Visa commercials. So, you know, who am I to say? <laughs> oh, I guess we're leaving. On this note, I'm not going to sing. Everybody relax. I may sing again next week. I'm kind of enjoying it. I'm planning on Mateo and I doing a uh, Instagram live uh, singing thing. So I'll let you know when that's coming. And it's got to be coming soon. Anyway, uh, I just hope everybody is really doing okay. Boy, I would say, hey, I have a great Memorial Day. But more, Memorial Day is going to just suck so much ball. <laughs> There's just no way else to put it. It's uh, going to be a very interesting summer, isn't it? I know they're opening the beaches and stuff, but uh, well, I guess we'll find out who's going. I guess I'm not going. I don't think Dave Elliott's having his cabana. I mean, if he is, I'll go down there. I'll be the first one to go down there, but I'm, 
Are people going to be wearing a mask at the beach? If you're out at the beach, do you, don't you just say, screw it? Has anybody ever gotten sick from somebody at the beach? What, are you going to go in the ocean with your mask? I don't know. I feel like uh, the masks aren't necessary at the beach. Everybody is usually spread out at the beach, so I think we can take our chances. In the cabana, I'd still take my chances. I trust Dave Elliott in every way. So anyway, I guess that's our show for this week. I hope you liked it. I thank Brian Pinelli for being a wonderful guest. And next week, I guess we'll just talk about Rachel. Maybe we'll get Rachel on and talk about her birth, right? I mean, that's, you know, not the details that men don't like, but, uh, you know, she's going to be a mother. So maybe we can get her on to just talk for a couple of minutes, right? Right? I mean, wow. You know, obviously I have friends that are mothers now, but Rachel, Rachel's been our, our friend and for so many years, our first baby, that's a big deal. Dissipate our energy. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I want to do it. I'm not going to do it. Anyway, that is our show for today. I hope everybody has a wonderful week. And, uh, geez, I guess we'll see you. The, well, I, I wonder for Memorial Day if you're doing anything. I guess people can, who have houses can barbecue. That must be nice. And uh, we'll see you the Tuesday after. Jesus. It's weird, right? But have a great uh, weekend, a great Memorial Day, a great three-day weekend. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is crazy. And uh, I'll see everybody next week on the Nightfly. This is the Nightfly with Dave Juska, your pal. And uh, hope everybody's all right. See you next time, everybody.